Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. We are in the third week of this series where we've been making our way through the 23rd Psalm. And over the course of this series, we've been uh, reciting this psalm each week to try to internalize it in our, in our uh, mind and in our hearts and uh, as, a, as a church body. And so I want to do that for us again here uh, right out of the gate this week. If you're watching from home and it feels weird to recite along with us from your living room, that's okay. You can still recite along with us, but let's do that all together now. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to be focusing today on verse 3. And verse 3 completes the sentence of verse 2 by saying that the Lord, my shepherd, refreshes my soul, and then continues on to say that he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And I want to key in on that word, refreshment, there just for a few moments, because I think it tells us a lot about who God is and his relationship to us. Refreshment is something we all search and long for. I don't know if we would always put it in those terms or say it that way, but, but I think refreshment is something that we and our world as a whole looks for in all sorts of places. A few summers ago, I was uh, backpacking in Colorado with two friends, and on the last day of this trip, we were exhausted. We were ready to get back to civilization and I can't exactly tell you when, but at some point along this trip, we had decided that the best thing that we could do once we got back to the end of this trip, but got back to civilization, was for us to go and have lunch at Pizza Hut. Now, I didn't drive out here to church this morning just for the sake of disparaging the good name of Pizza Hut, but I think we can all agree that you only reach the conclusion that Pizza Hut is the epitome of refreshment and nourishment when you're a college student on the third day of a backpacking trip. So we're hiking along, and, and we're, we know we're getting close to where we had parked the car. We don't know exactly, but we know we're, we're, we're not too far away. And, and as we're going along, we, we meet uh, this group that has just started hiking. There's probably about 15 or so of them, and and we can tell they haven't been on the trail long, and we know that they must have parked at the same place where we had left our car three days before. And so we asked them, hey, you know, how long have you guys been hiking? How long have you been out? And they said, oh, oh, probably around 15 minutes. And I'm not going to completely try to replicate the reaction we had in that moment, because quite frankly, I don't want to be shouting into a microphone this morning. But I distinctly remember one of my friends, uh, we'll call him Blake, because that's his name, uh, 
saying, shouting to this group of complete strangers, we've not never met, we don't know at all. He shouts to them, we're going to Pizza Hut. And he just takes off at a pace that I had not seen from him in two days. And I don't want to know what that group was thinking in that moment. Um, I'm sure it wouldn't be good for my self-esteem. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking about this trio they've just encountered 15 minutes into their hike. Uh, but we took off. All that mattered in that moment was that we knew we were not far away from refreshment. So we took off what was probably the fastest pace we had kept the whole trip down that little stretch of trail. We got in the car, we raced to Pizza Hut, and if memory serves correctly, I don't know if it does or not, but that was the most amazing pizza I've ever eaten in my entire life. And we might not state it that bluntly or feel it that sharply day to day, but if we look at our world, if we look at ourselves, what we often find is a search for refreshment. Maybe, maybe you watch the news each night and you just wonder what is going on in our world. Why is this world the way that it is? And what, when is God going to do something about it? Maybe it's the commercials in between the news broadcasts that time and time again tries to convince you that there is some hole in your life that has to be filled and it will be filled if you will just buy whatever we are trying to sell you. Maybe, maybe it's your job and the last year has just left you completely exhausted. There's no end in sight. The work is piling up. And sure, maybe vacation has come and gone, but you are still just wondering when, when there is going to be a break. Maybe it's a situation in your family. Uh, maybe it's a situation in your home. And the strife that has been caused that just left division and hurt in its wake. Maybe there's been tragedy. And life just feels like a bottomless pit that you are going to be falling down forever. Maybe it goes even deeper. Maybe it goes into your own soul. Maybe there's sin that you can't get control of and you feel trapped because you can't deal with it on your own, but at the same time you feel like if you ask for any kind of help, if, if you ever worked up the courage to confess it to anyone, you would be exposed as a fraud or a hypocrite and you would never be looked at the same way again and you just don't know where refreshment might ever come from. We have all had plenty of reasons in the last year and a half or so to feel like we need refreshment. Feel like we are completely parched. That we just need the refreshment of our shepherd. And if that's what you're feeling this morning, I hope Psalm 23 will show you what you are looking for. Like Fred showed us last week, Psalm 23 comes to us with the offer to come before God in worship. No matter what life has thrown at us, because we can trust that no matter what we encounter, our shepherd continues to lead us. When we trust in the leadership of our shepherd, we find that refreshment. And yet, that refreshment might not look like what we expect. As refreshing as a meal is when you are starving, as refreshing as a glass of water is when you are dehydrated, that is not the kind of refreshment Psalm 23 directs us towards. As our shepherd, our God guides us towards refreshment through walking in his paths for his name's sake. And that might not sound as exciting, it might not sound like it addresses the need as immediately but I think what Psalm 23 shows us is that ultimately, no matter what we might need refreshment from, we meet the need through, through that right there. So 
So I want to look at what this refreshment that God gives us is, how He gives it, and the end goal of that refreshment. The New New International Version that we read from this morning, that we've been reading from throughout this series, translates this Hebrew word uh, as refresh, which is why that's the term I've been using this morning. But if you have Psalm 23 memorized from childhood in a different version or something like that, you might uh, have the word restore in your mind. When you read Psalm 23 and think refresh sounds a little odd, and that's translating the same word there. And the Hebrew word that's being translated there is a word that actually most of the time throughout our Old Testament is translated as repent. It's a word for turning around. It's a word for moving in one direction and then turning to move in a different direction. It's a word for when you're going east on I-90 towards St. Charles and then you turn around and go west towards Austin. It's a word for when you used to only drink Coke and now you only drink Pepsi. It's a word for you had been living in sin far away from God and now you have turned in order to begin following Jesus. And as we all know intuitively, words can be used in lots of different ways depending on the context where they are being used. And so this verse right here is not necessarily directly talking about repentance in the sense that we mean it when we are talking about uh, repenting in church, repenting from sin and turning to God. But I think it's worth highlighting the word choice of King David right here in this verse to describe the action of our shepherd. Our shepherd brings refreshment, he brings restoration to our soul by turning us towards himself. When we are out wandering in the wilderness, when we feel lost beyond all hope, our shepherd turns us around and brings us home. That is what our shepherd offers to us. And that refreshment, this verse says, comes for our soul. It comes for our inner being. It comes for our life. When the the Bible uses that word that's translated as soul most of the time, it's not necessarily always talking about what we think about when we think about the soul as some disembodied spirit or the the spiritual side of our existence that's completely separate from the physical side of our existence. No, when the Bible talks about the soul, it's talking about our inner being, the foundation of our existence. And refreshing the soul on, on the surface might sound to our ears today like it's some nice overly spiritualized wish. It might sound like God is only able to, to, hope, to give us any kind of hope for the spiritual, but isn't really capable of doing anything about the physical. And I, I don't say that to minimize the importance of the spiritual, but what I want us to recognize is that the Bible doesn't pit the two against each other as much as we tend to do in our world today. Our shepherd is concerned with our entire existence, and that's what this verse is showing us. When the bills are due and we have no idea how we are going to pay them, when we or someone we care about experiences the effects of disease, when there's a car crash that leaves us injured, the answer of Psalm 23 is not, well, I can't really help you there, but can I interest you in pie in the sky by and by? The answer of Psalm 23 is that when life crushes us, our shepherd brings us back. Our shepherd comes to us in the difficulties of life and brings us comfort, brings us refreshment, brings us restoration, not empty platitudes, but refreshment for our inner being right here and right now that is a firm foundation from which we go out into the world in strength, knowing that we go forth under the leadership of our shepherd. But when you're in need of refreshment, turning around doesn't always sound like what you want. 
I mean, when you're hurting, you don't want someone giving you direction or advice necessarily. You want someone to bring you refreshment in the moment. At least for me, when I'm not feeling well, I don't want someone giving me advice. I just want someone to, I just want to lay on the couch and have everyone bring everything I need to me. Maybe that just says more about me than humanity in general. But what Psalm 23 says is that when we are in need of refreshment, God gives it to us when we walk in paths of righteousness. Refreshment does not come from something in ourselves. David does not say in this verse that he found refreshment by his own strength. He says, the Lord his shepherd brought refreshment to him. And refreshment does not come from a quick fix. It comes from walking in paths of righteousness that our shepherd sets out for us. Our God is righteous, perfect in every way, all-knowing, all-powerful, just in all his judgments, not lacking in anything. And he invites us to be righteous as well through Jesus. And it comes by walking in his paths that we are able to grow and become more like him and reach that goal. And we get an idea of the same thing David is getting at here in Psalm 23 when we look over at the letter of Ephesians. Paul begins the famous chapter of Ephesians chapter 2 by saying to his readers that previously, before they knew Jesus, he says they were dead in their sin. He says you used to walk in the ways of this world, is how he phrases it literally in the Greek, like all of humanity apart from Jesus. He says that the Ephesians and us were deserving of death. We had walked away from our shepherd. We had chosen to rebel. We had chosen to go our own way. We had chosen to leave the flock. And while that might have felt good for a time, the destination sooner or later was death. But Paul does not stop there. In Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, Paul says that God who is rich in mercy, who, is, who because of his great love for us, made us alive together with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that we have been saved. Even when we had wandered away, the grace of God pursued us. And now, because of what Christ has done, we have the opportunity to be raised out of death into new life and experience the riches of the grace of God in Christ. And all of this reaches its crescendo, the words you can see on the screen in Ephesians 2.8 where he says that these words that you've probably heard before, that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. He continues and says, not the result of work so that no one can boast. And sometimes when we read that passage, we stop there. And to be fair, that is a good place to end things. That is about as, as good of a message as you are going to find across Scripture. We had made a mess of our lives through sin, but Jesus has come to raise us to new life, and it's all by grace. It's nothing but grace. We get to enjoy life with God. And that's absolutely true. But Paul doesn't stop there. He continues. He gets into verse 10 to describe what that life in Christ looks like. He says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God's prepared in advance for us to do. Literally, he says, God has created us in Christ Jesus to walk in good works. Paul does not just say that Jesus has given us a get-out-of-hell-free card, and now we can kick back and wait for heaven. He calls us to walk in good works, or to use the language of Psalm 23, to walk in the paths of righteousness that our shepherd has set out for us. But even then, Paul 
isn't done. We might get to the end of Ephesians 2.10 and think, well, that's good that we're supposed to walk in good works, but what are good works? What has God, what has God called us to do? What does this look like? But if we keep reading throughout the letter, we get to Ephesians 4, and we'll notice Paul circles back to this language of walking. He says in Ephesians 4.1, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, he says to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Literally, he says to walk, walk worthy of the calling you have received. And over the course of Ephesians 4 and 5, Paul continues to circle back to this idea of walking as he works out for the Ephesians and us as we read this letter, what it means to follow Jesus, where they are, what, what behaviors they should take on, how they should care for one another, how they can be light in the midst of darkness, how they can walk in wisdom. And Paul fleshes out for them what this looks like, how to walk in the ways of God, these ways, these paths that lead to righteousness, as Psalm 23 describes. And that is the sort of life that God calls his people towards as we live in this world. And Psalm 23 is not saying, Ephesians is not saying, and I'm not saying that once you accept the grace of God in your life, you're handed a checklist of all the things you got to do so that God will love you. But what I do want us to see is that when we make the declaration that the Lord is our shepherd, as Psalm 23 begins, that is a statement that we are not the ones setting the agenda. When we desire the refreshment that is brought by our good shepherd that does not come through us remaining as we are. When we come to our good shepherd, we begin following the path he leads us in. And that path might not always be smooth and straight and exactly what we expected or would have chosen for ourselves, but it is a path that is marked out by our good shepherd as he leads us into righteousness. His goal for us and for our world. I wasn't here last Sunday because I was on my way to a retreat. I go on each year with some friends who are in ministry, and we were staying uh, at this lodge that was sort of in the woods. And when I started driving, I didn't really think anything of it. I had the address. I punched it into my GPS. I just started, just started driving, didn't think anything of it. You know, you're going down the interstate. You're not all that concerned with the destination. But then, as I got closer, I got kind of outside the city where we were, and it was still a four-lane road, about like Highway 52 out here. But, but you know, it was pretty sparse. There'd be a business every every mile or so, and then, then I was told to make a right down this road, and the road pretty soon got down to just where it was wide enough for one car at a time, and eventually the, the road ended at this gate, and at that point you're thinking to yourself, well, I really hope I'm in the right place, because if not, this only ends with me being arrested, and so there's a code to open up the gate. You get the gate open, and and you drive, and the road's still really narrow, and you go up this hill, and just for a brief moment at the top of this hill, you can see across the lake, and you can see the lodge where we're staying, and everything makes sense, and everything seems right, and, and, and everything feels good, but then you have to keep driving. You have to go back down into the woods. You have to go up this hill and around the edge of this lake. You have to come back down the hill and kind of come in the backside of this lodge, and eventually, eventually you make it to the destination, it just never felt all that direct or never felt like it made that much sense except for brief, brief moments of, of revelation every now and then. And that's probably not a perfect illustration, but I think it gets pretty close to how it can feel to follow Jesus most of the time. At times there's a clear direction and everything seems to make sense and everything's moving in the right direction. You're feeling great about everything and then things start to seem a little strange. 
Instead of following Jesus, bringing health and wealth and success, God, God might call you to give more of your time and talents and resources than expected. Instead of everyone thinking you're incredible and you've never done anything wrong, you find that actually some people think it doesn't make that much sense for you to follow Jesus, for you to waste your Sundays in a place like this, and that actually you're maybe a fool for doing so. Instead of all of life's problems magically going away, you find that actually you still live in a broken world and that you're still a sinner and that life is sometimes difficult. And there might be moments of clarity along the way, seasons where everything makes sense and, and everything looks good and, and, and all is right with the world, and then real life sets in again with all the distractions and difficulties that come with it. But through all the highs and the lows, through times where it makes sense and times where it doesn't, the end goal is always walking in paths of righteousness that draw us near to God. And as confusing as those paths might seem at times, as much as they feel like we are out in the woods with no idea of where we are going, we can walk with confidence, knowing that our good shepherd has marked the path out for us and is leading us deeper into life with him. When we walk in the paths of righteousness, the shepherd leads us in. God says that it is done for his name's sake. David says that it is done for God's name's sake, which might seem a little self-serving at first glance as we read that. It might sound a little bit like, you know, let's say you would hurt your knee and you didn't really know how to do, how to, what to do about it or how to treat it or anything like that. And so you go to the doctor for advice on, on treatment and you're telling the doctor about what you did, how you hurt your knee, how much it hurts and what they should do about it. And the doctor says to you, well, you think that's bad. My back's way more messed up than your knee is. And it's not that you're not concerned about your doctor's back. It's just that's not why you went to the doctor in the first place. And you might hear what David says here about walking in paths of righteousness for God's namesake and think, well, that doesn't make that much sense. Is the goal of following God for, for his glory? God, does God need people to follow him because he needs people around him to be yes men and women to tell him about how great he is to make him feel good day to day? But that's not what David is getting at. David's making a different point by, with that statement. David is telling us something that I think can change our life if we will let it. David is saying that when we need refreshment, bringing glory to God's name is the solution. Fred said something similar last week by saying that sometimes the best thing we can do is to come before God in our worship, and I want to echo that here, even if it's phrased a little differently. Desiring first and foremost to bring glory to God's name might seem pretty impractical and miss the point in the difficult parts of life. But if what we believe about God is true, if we believe that he is good to us, that he has created all things, that he rules over the universe, that he's created us for relationship with him, then what David says in this verse makes perfect sense. If God is king over all things, and we believe that he is, then that means that seeking the glory of anyone else's name will ultimately fall short. Seeking our own glory, the glory of where we work, the glory of our preferred political party, our favorite sports team, sooner or later will leave us empty and searching for more. But when we seek the glory of God, by walking in paths of righteousness, we find true life. 
That's what we've been created for. That's the refreshment, that is the restoration that each and every one of us is searching for, whether we realize it or not. And when we are in the wilderness searching for refreshment, when life breaks us down and we want relief, the solution of walking in the Lord's paths for His sake does not sound all that exciting, I will admit it. We want a quick fix most of the time. Most of the time we want something that is exciting that will make all our problems go away. We want a pill that we can take twice a day for six weeks that will automatically make us feel better. We want a form that we can fill out that will get things started in motion so that everything can be situated just how we want it. And most of the time, following Jesus does not work that way. Walking in the Lord's paths can be slow, can be unglamorous, can be difficult. Sometimes it's unclear how the path we are on is going to get us to the destination we are searching for. Walking is gradual. It only happens when you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And because of that, sometimes we don't recognize any progress that's being made. But the profound spiritual truth that we have been raised to new life in Christ works itself out most of the time through simply walking. Walking in the Lord's paths each day, taking steps to be more like Jesus that might not feel exciting and glamorous in the moment, but are a part of God's plan to invite us in to be a part of Him setting the entire world right through Jesus. And it's that process, the process that the author Eugene Peterson referred to as a long obedience in the same direction that brings refreshment to our souls that can only come from our good shepherd. So the takeaway for this morning, no matter where you might be with God, is to keep walking. And you might be listening to me right now and thinking, look, Monty, this is cute, but I've been walking with Jesus longer than your parents have been alive, so what do you really have to teach me? And you might have a point, I don't know. But my encouragement is to keep going. Because that's the only place where you will find life and those around you need, that, need you to come alongside them so that they can see the way. If you have no idea what the next step on that path might be, do not leave today. Don't turn off the live stream without at least asking for prayer, for direction, and wisdom. If you know what that next step is, but you don't know how to take it, this church family would love to walk alongside you, to pray for you and have a conversation about what that looks like, of how, they can, how we can encourage you to take that next step in faith with Jesus. Because God is calling each and every one of us to walk in the paths He has laid out for us, and we can do that best while seeking His presence together. And so as a flock that is being cared for by the Good Shepherd, let us be a flock that is eager to follow his paths. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your guidance of us. We're grateful that even when things might not make sense from our perspective, that you are in control of all things, that you guide us in your paths for your name's sake. And it's through that that we find true life. So help us, help us to walk wherever you are leading us, help us to follow you faithfully wherever you call us, help us to do that together as a community, 
so that we might all encourage one another to move, to draw near to you so that we might be made more and more into the image of your son. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this message given by our own senior pastor, Monty French.